I'm Julie Roth, and this is LA Woman. It's a show about women in LA, building big things and cultivating successful lives for themselves. LA is, without question, one of the world's major cultural hubs and trendsetters, and every woman here has a story to tell. Listen in as we go behind the scenes one-on-one with dynamic, inspiring females who are changing the game and changing their industries. Share their successes, examine their challenges, and heed their advice as we navigate our careers together, one sunny day at a time. Today's guest is Olivia Landau, founder and CEO of The Clear Cut. After falling in love with gemology and becoming a GIA gemology graduate, Olivia found herself at a crossroads. Would she work for a corporate jewelry company, in wholesale, in a gem lab? Well, she did a combination of those things by working for Tiffany and company and then trying her hand at wholesale. But that all changed when her husband Kyle's friends kept asking them both for engagement ring advice and designs. With the help of an accelerator program, a blog, and a growing social media following, Olivia and Kyle took a leap and began the clear cut, designing engagement rings for clients all over the country and their own made-to-order jewelry line. Olivia and I discussed all of this and more. She is so knowledgeable about this industry. Plus, she is our first guest from New York. Here's Olivia. of the clear cut mm-hmm. and we are breaking the rules a little bit today because you are based in New York. Yes. You are our very first New York guest. The on very LA first? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's a really good, it'll be a really good choice for us because I'm not really sure how it, the New York jewelry business works. I feel like it's such a huge part of New York and New York culture. Um, from all the way from like those cheap gold dealers like all the way up to Park Avenue so uh, I think this is gonna be super fun so thank you for being here thanks for having me I'm so excited of course so um, okay I kind of want to start from the beginning even though I know you are um, a partner business partner with your husband Mm -hmm. and you guys have had really exponential growth in the past two Two years. years so we'll be turning two officially like in two weeks Oh my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, let's take it from the top. Can you talk to us about what the Gemology Institute of America is? Yes. So the Gemological Institute of America is GIA. So if you hear me like refer to GIA, that's what it stands for. It's not, it's like the industry leader in like diamond grading and um, gemstone identification, but there's also a school that you can go to to become either a diamonds graduate only or a graduate gemologist meaning you're like an expert in diamond grading and in identifying like all precious stones so i come from well my family's been in the jewelry industry for generations my dad's side of the family comes from antwerp belgium which used to be like the diamond cutting capital of the world so Um, A lot of Jewish people were like in the diamond business in Antwerp. So my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and my father um, were cutters and dealers. And then 
my dad um, came to America, met my mom, who is from Taiwan, and they actually started their own antique jewelry business. So same industry, but kind of pivoted to um, like period pieces, like Edwardian, Victorian, Art Deco pieces. So I grew up around like jewelry and gemstones my whole life, but I personally never thought I would get into it or become a gemologist because my parents like neither of them went to college they both like came to America and they're like this is just something we like do because we have to do and like mm. we're entrepreneurial in that way and just had like connections in the industry but they were like this is a dying business like there's no future if you have an education like you probably shouldn't be doing this so I never thought I'd get into it I went to college um, in New York at NYU but when I graduated, um, I originally always wanted to work in journalism, specifically like fashion journalism, but I wasn't like super passionate about any of the internships I was doing. It wasn't really like my calling. I saw like it can be like kind of catty. So I was like, well, how can I like extend out my time before I figure out what I want to do? Yeah. So they were like, okay, like maybe you go to GIA and there was, there's one in New York that's like the main one and there's one actually here in Carlsbad. Um, in California so I was like yeah sure it's a six-month program I get to like extend out my schooling a little bit and while I was there I absolutely fell in love with it I was like oh my god this is my blood this is like what I was like meant to do and I was like I'm really good at it too so while I was there um, I actually met my now husband Kyle Um, he was he had come in a bit later uh, to do just the diamonds program and he had founded a fair trade diamond mine in Sierra Leone at the time and his investor sent him to become more of an expert in the diamond grading yeah and so it's a really really like small school I think there were like three classes going on at the same time with like 20 people in a class so we had the same free periods and I like would see him across the room and he like wouldn't um like say anything to me but I'd see him like looking at me so one day I just like followed him home on the subway and was like I already did your class like I'm really really good at diving so I can like tutor you (laughs) (laughs) so that was like our experience at GIA and like after that um my first job while I was still there I started working at Tiffany on the engagement floor part-time and then worked there full-time after Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that's like a tip. That's like a typical path for someone is to like go into Tiffany or Cartier or something like that. I would like say that. most of the kids at GIA came from like big jewelry families that were gonna go work in their family business okay. and needed to get like some sort of experience or like credibility before going into it. So a lot of the kids there like came, were international too and came from a lot of big jewelry families. Even though I came from a background in jewelry, I didn't really have like a family business to necessarily like take over. So I, Kyle and I were kind of like a, a little bit of outsiders, especially him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I think you kind of alluded to this just now, but so with the clear cut, and I want to talk about how this all happened as well. Yeah. Did your parents have different plans for you or intentions for you? Yeah, I mean, they their whole thing with me growing up was like I was I'm an only child 
and they were like, we're gonna invest super heavily in like your education. They sent me to like a really fancy like boarding school for high school and they're like, go to like whatever college you wanna go to and get like a great corporate job and like have benefits and all those things. So it was definitely, they 100% did not see me as like an entrepreneur in the jewelry space yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you felt like, hey, this is... Yeah, and when I graduated from GIA, they were like, great, you got like this starting job at Tiffany, maybe you'll like work at corporate there, like that would be so amazing, and yeah. that was kind of like their vision. Yeah. No, mm. I understand, yes. Yeah. I think a lot of parents are like that. Yeah. Safety, benefits, Security. Yeah. yes, pension, yeah. and then my daughter's totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah agreed. Okay, but that's not what happened. No. <laughs> so I actually really didn't love retail um, and wanted to get a little bit more hands-on with the actual jewelry. Um, so I left Tiffany and started working at a big diamond wholesale company on 47th Street, which is like the diamond district in New York. Okay. Um, a lot less fancy and polished, but I got to get like my hands dirty and really like be thrown into the industry. And at the time I had access to this huge inventory of like wholesale diamonds. Um, at the same time, Kyle had come back from Africa. Um, there was like an Ebola epidemic. So his company kind of fell apart at the time. He started um, business school at Columbia. Mm -hmm. And there's this like weird thing that happens um, where everyone gets engaged kind of at the exact same time in like their like second semester in business school oh, okay okay so everyone would go to him and because they knew he had a background in diamonds and was like hey do you like know a guy that can help me with my engagement ring like get a good deal yeah and he was like yeah I do and like I was that guy yeah so I had a bunch of like our friends and like his classmates come to me and I'd help you know educate them pick out their diamonds and like create custom rings so that started and I realized that even though there's so much information online about diamonds, it can be like really overwhelming. And I wanted to, no one knew the first place to start. It's such like a big complicated purchase. So I was like, I'm just gonna like start a blog for fun and just like to challenge myself a little bit creatively. So I started the clear cut initially as um, an educational blog just for like my like couple clients and like friends to read about before coming to work with me. Yeah. Then I started posting some of the rings on Instagram, um, and that's where it really took off from there. And it took like a few months to gain like a bit of traction, but strangers started following me, DMing me, asking me if I could like make their engagement rings, and I was like, okay, I guess so. So I started this kind of side hustle where I was making custom rings for people like across the country, like on my lunch breaks. And um, at the time I had switched jobs and I was like running to the diamond district, like yeah. during lunch, like selling like hundreds of thousands of diamond, uh, dollars of diamonds. <laughs> and at the same time, Kyle was graduating from business school and he um, had gotten an offer to work um, in banking. And I don't think he was super passionate about it, but again, like our parents were like, it's super stable, right. that would be great. Um, but he was like, you have a real business on your hands. like, And he's very entrepreneurial. He's like, maybe we should just like quit our jobs and turn down these offers and just like give it a try uh, and do the clear cut full time. And I was like, um, I'm not really sure about that. Yeah. Um, someone has to like work and like make like some That's money. That's how I am too, like, <laughs> in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know about this. But um, I was like, okay, if someone will take like a little bit of a risk on us, like I will feel more confident. So 
we randomly applied to this tech accelerator called Techstars, and um, they it's a three month like intensive program, and they like give you a little bit of investment. Um, and we're not a tech company, so I didn't think that we would get in. But and but I said if we got in, I would. I promised I would quit my job and do it. So we found out, we got in, and I got really, really scared, and my parents freaked out, and, and I was like, I, I guess like I have to do it. Like it's kind of like a big opportunity. So that was two years ago um, in January. So that's when we like officially like started doing it full time. Wow. That yeah. Is such a story. <laughs> um, going back a little bit. So when you say you were helping people. Um, make their engagement rings. Yeah. What does that entail? Like, how does that process work? Are you like, when you say you're running to the jewelry district, are you having those folks make the ring for you? Like, how does that work? So it's kind of, um, it's a version of what we kind of do today, just like a little less sophisticated than what I was doing back then. But basically, even what we do today is we talk to each client and get an understanding of, you know, what type of diamond are you looking for? What are your goals with it? And like, what is the budget that you want to stay within? Then what we do is curate a select. We go out to the market, um, and now we have partners with some of the largest diamond manufacturers like all over the world. But at the time, I had a few different relationships with wholesalers like in the industry from working in it. Okay. But basically, looking at the market and handpicking a few diamonds that I'll pre-scan to make sure you know it's exactly what they're looking for. It faces up really nice and white. It's well cut. There's no eye visible inclusions. Basically, taking that extra step to ensure the quality present like a narrowed selection and then try to narrow it down from there then once we have the diamond um when i was working in wholesale i built a lot of relationships because i was in production making um pieces for big retail stores okay so now we have like master jewelers that'll handcraft each of the rings like you don't want me actually making the ring for you, but I'll, I work on all of the design, and then we have the production team that works on actually hand-making each of the rings in New York. I mean, it's so funny to think about a production team when it comes to jewelry, you know? Yeah. Like, you, when you open a box or have get a gift or buy something for yourself, it's like, it's magic. It just appears. Yes, you know what yes. I mean? Well, what's different from us and a lot of other companies is a lot of people will... Um, produce overseas or even like mass produce in large quantities but even our fine jewelry line that we launched this year everything is handmade in New York piece by piece so um, we can ensure like the quality that way so you do a small run or do you do it to order made to order everything yeah wow (laughs) that's so that's so great yeah (laughs) yeah it's like really one of a kind we talked about the typical route for selling the jewelry business um, and how you and your now husband went against that tradition for sure um, but yes. yeah, I would say the typical route, like what used to be expected when I was at GIA, like I would, I asked my teacher, like, what are the routes for me to go into, like in the industry? It wasn't like, oh, start your own Instagram jewelry business. You know, it was like, well, you can either work in retail, in sales, um, at like a Tiffany, Cartier, K Jewelers, Jared, whatever. Yeah. Or you work at GIA in the lab, actually grading diamonds or you work in wholesale. So those were kind of the roots, or you were in production, um, doing quality control, things like that for larger companies. So those were the roots. Okay, wait. (laughs) If you're working at GIA, just, so you're, if you're grading stones? Yes, it's all graded by humans, every single stone. So you're like, you're literally, you're taking like a part of a, 
Go ahead, go ahead. You're literally like in a room with a bunch of people, microscopes and everything, and people will submit their diamonds to get their grade. So the color, clarity, cut, all of that, and it comes in a certificate from GIA. Okay. And humans will grade that. So you'll look in the microscope for the inclusions, and it's kind of subjective. You know, that's why each diamond is unique. It's not like cut and dry that every like same grade, like SI2 or even H color is going to be the same because there's like a bit of subjectivity to it because humans are grading all of them. Okay, so this is <laughs> either a big company that's doing this? Yes. Okay, okay. It's GIA is doing it. GIA is doing it for someone like Tiffany or for someone so, individually? So Tiffany actually is different than most other jewelry companies. They have their own lab in-house. So when you buy a Tiffany diamond, you get a Tiffany certificate. But everyone else, when you buy a diamond, you get a GIA certificate. Oh. So GIA grades for all retail stores, for individuals, for everyone. It's just every diamond. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Of course, Tiffany would have their own. Yeah. Um, so I was actually looking into, when I was researching for this interview, I was looking into um, De Beers because from what I understand in, the, in history, De Beers used to own something like 90% of the diamonds in the world. Yes. But this all changed in, I think, the 80s or 90s. Mm -hmm. So how, did you, like, were your parents able to see that shift? Or has that, like, trickled down into GIA in, in your classes? Like, is that something that you guys discussed? So actually, back in the day, there were no GIA reports for things. Things were just graded by individuals that worked in the industry and you would kind of just take it at the face value of whatever they said it was and that's where I think a lot of um, when people think of like the industry as like maybe shady or people lying to you like there's like some sort of that element in it it's because like back in the day like even like I think it's like in the 70s GIA started I don't even remember it wasn't that long ago but it would just be a diamond dealer telling you this is how much this is worth and this is like a good quality and you would just have to like believe them but now there's so many steps and so many checks that um, a customer can feel like pretty confident um, in like whatever pricing is given to them there's like a lot of transparency around that and also what the quality of the stones are um, and to speak to De Beers, like, yes, they used to own um, most of the supply of diamonds. And now there's been a ton of different um, larger, like, mining. Uh, there's, like, Rio Tinto. There's the Argyle. So it's been a little bit less of a, what's it called? Like monopoly. A monopoly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so interesting. Okay, so when it comes to your relationships and, and how that is built over time, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so I would say that it's very hard to break into this industry because it's still a lot of like handshakes and like trust um, inherently in people. There's not a lot of like written contracts. Um, you know, back in the day, there would just be this thing where if you like agreed to buy a diamond from someone, it would just be a handshake and you'd say mazal and like that was your word and like you couldn't go against it. It's the most New York thing I've yes. ever heard. <laughs> and it's still kind of like that. So breaking into the diamond industry is difficult and we were fortunate that like I had my family have a bit of connections to um people in the industry and I worked personally in wholesale with a lot of these men and these um wholesalers and manufacturers so it's still a challenge like building relationships but I think as like you sell more and you have more credibility you can get um 
more relationships with the different suppliers mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um we had a little bit of a benefit because of just like my family background and also me personally working in wholesale yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sure social media has like thrown all of these people for a loop. Yes, and it's been, it's an industry that has taken a really long time to come around versus many other industries. It's still very old school. A lot of people are still doing things with like pen and paper, like you would be like shocked. So um, what we're doing, and, and people are noticing like there's such a huge shift because the consumer is so different now than even one generation ago. And it's being it's very hard for a lot of these traditional jewelers to catch up with the trend because they're so far behind at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's why fine jewelry retail has been doing so poorly in the past couple years. Like really? Yeah. So thousands of like mom and pop jewelry stores that are like, you know, in most towns there's like this one jewelry store that's been there for generations and like the children take over and those are not being competitive anymore because they're people like us kind of taking market share there are a lot of um online marketplaces now there's just so much more like availability and transparency and like service you can get versus before you would just have to walk into this one store and just take whatever they said was available at whatever price they said it would be. Yes, I'm wearing hoops <laughs> from my bat mitzvah that I still wear. And it, they're from Just Gold, which was the jewelry store in downtown Highland Park. Yeah. And you went in there and like those were your choices. And I feel there was, I think maybe in a neighboring suburb, which was of course Far, far yeah at the time yeah um had watches so like it was a watch specialty you yeah. know what I mean and that was it and um they survived I think at that time by reputation yeah and just like you've been going there forever you have like a loyalty to this like one place yeah but now a lot of younger people are like well maybe if I don't like what's there or I see things online or on Instagram that are such better value or more unique and I want something custom I may not want to go to like my local jewelry store. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's what's interesting with you guys is I think that you're there's been such a trend of customization, whether yes. it's like I want a patch on my jean jacket, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Like top to bottom in retail, that that's probably something that has been an advantage for you. A hundred percent. And it's such especially the engagement ring, I would say that aspect, it's not only a huge investment piece and a big purchase probably like the biggest purchase you're making at that time in your life but something so sentimental with so much more weight on it that you want it to be special and unique to each person that you don't want to just buy a ring out of a box that like a million other people might have you know yeah yeah. is there anyone is there any client you've had that has done something really super sentimental um We've done like some really crazy custom pieces. Actually, most things we do are pretty classic, traditional. I mean, everything is custom based on like picking the side stones to match the center stone. And we do a lot of like engravings on the inside or like putting birthstones. But we've done like some very intricate designs too. We like made a ring that um, it was very abstract, but like had elements of like their dog and their their, <laughs> their like um, relationship like things like that or like we'll, we'll we've done like two stone rings that are really popular now like toi and moi kind of like emily radikowski's ring um mm-hmm. 
and one with like a birthstone or something, and then a diamond or like an heirloom piece and then like yeah. a modern piece. So bringing elements like that together is like super cool. That's really nice. I yeah. always love the like the family elements. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, okay, so going back to the business side a little bit, I'm yeah. not grilling you too much, but this is super interesting to me. Um, <laughs> so as CEO, and we've talked about some, some um, I think, assumed challenges, but is there some challenge that has stuck out to you? I'd say there is challenges as the business grows and the challenges change dramatically. Like when we first started, the challenges were how do we get customers? Like, how do we get people to find out about us? Is this like a real sustainable business? How are we going to scale this? So that was like my initial huge challenge. And then it was like, we're getting customers. How do we make this process work as we get more and more people? And now I think my challenge is we're growing, we're hiring people. Now, how do I not be so involved day to day and still like make sure the quality is up to par with what we're used to and also managing a team of people which I'm not used to doing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And actually I was gonna ask you about that when it comes to scale. So you started with the two the two of you. Yeah. So Well it started with mm-hmm. me and then me and Kyle, yeah. which already was like a huge help. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then our first hire, um I had worked as a gemologist at a different company and I had a coworker who was just like the most kick-ass gemologist and I was like, oh my God, like my dream would be to hire Sarah one day. And it took a lot of convincing and it took months of us trying to prove out the concept, but we got her as our first hire and she's been like so amazing and now manages like the gemologists. But um, that was our first and now we're growing the team, getting more experts. Also content and educational content has been a huge part of our business I guess comes from our roots of like the blog but now we do like a a lot of like video education things like that so that we hired someone to do that too so that's been a huge um, component in our growth uh, strategy yeah I mean I think that that you know looking at all your um, educational pieces on your website I feel that's probably been a really big advantage for you guys because people feel like they know you yeah and 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 a lot of this business is trust so if you know they've been following us for a while watching and they trust like our opinions and expertise yeah. then they're more confident and you know more inclined to like make a purchase more comfortably you know yeah, yeah. absolutely yes um, so how big is your team now so it's growing like every day I think at this point we're six people but we should be at eight in the next couple months weeks so (laughs) um every day it's kind of growing which is like pretty crazy oh my god it's so fast and it feels it's still a small company but from from going from like two to six in like six months is like really it's been kind of a growing pain, but like amazing. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing as how engagement rings are, um, you know, the cornerstone of your business, mm-hmm. how do you separate the business with that emotional side? Cause it's not only the biggest 
purchase that you're making, but it's also probably the most emotion packed purchase. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot makes. of times I joke and say that like a lot of me and our gemologists are just as much like therapists as we are like jewelers because we work with people really closely and there's like a ton of different like scenarios and like emotions that go through like this particular purchase. So we have to kind of hold your hand, we guide you, we're like you're kind of like expert in this like journey. Um, so it is like definitely a unique buying experience compared yeah. to like our fine jewelry, which is just on the site. Yeah. Um, but it's fun because like you really get like a special connection with each of your client and it's like really sticky. So hopefully they come back um, and we become like the next generation's jeweler like the local jeweler in your town. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh my God, I'd be like adrenaline all the time. <laughs> but you're like riding this wave with this person. It's emotional. It's like sometimes it's like an emotional roller coaster and you have to like know the ways to like talk to people, calm them down, like ensure that everything's gonna be okay, you know? Yeah. And it's a lot of like, it's a lot of responsibility too because you, for this person, it's like, the thing and it's like a very big moment in their life so you want to make sure everything is super perfect so yeah. any little like hiccup goes on which can happen from time to time I take it like very personally too yeah yeah I don't even I think I'm too emotional to be in this business <laughs> <laughs> like I already know yeah yeah I've gotten like more and more used to it yeah yeah oh, I can't believe in two years that's just like amazing um so all right so we talked about your team um so you're, a lot of your, is yeah, it? I did, I did it quick in and out. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, a lot of your, we're good, right? I always mm -hmm. get nervous. Okay. Yeah. Excellent day. Um, how's your cough? Are you good? Yeah, I've, I've been you good. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, so your social community, social media community is so strong, and this has really been so much about your uh, your business's growth and I would imagine your DMs are constantly full yes okay yeah so and I answer every DM myself how <laughs> many DMs are we talking now that we're on this subject hundreds of DMs and I actually if I don't get to answer them like throughout the day um, Kyle like forces me to like take an hour or two when we get home and I sit down on the couch and like answer everyone even if it's just like a little heart or like a like or something I respond to I try to respond to each and every one of them it's probably really important it is important because I think that's how you like build the connection and a lot of people are like oh my god I can't believe stuff you responded even though they don't even know it's me responding a lot of the time um they're like oh my god thank you so much for answering my question like no one else responds you know yeah yeah and so, I think a lot of people with larger Instagram followings or whatever can take it for granted that people are reaching out to them directly even if it's like oh this is like a stupid question or whatever but to that person it they, they could be a potential customer and you want them to like be, they're part of your community obviously because they're trying to engage with you so it's important to keep that alive so because you know social media means you are everywhere do you get a lot of messages or questions from people who are out of state most of our clients are out of state so um and i think that's what's so cool is like you said in new york there are are unlimited options for like where you can get your engagement ring whether it's like um not only online but on in the jewelry district fifth avenue stores anything like that but most of the country 
they don't have that access. They may only have their mom and pop jewelry store, their like Kay or Jared in their like mall or online, but they want more of an elevated experience. So that's where we provide a ton of value is to people even outside of New York City. So do you like do a video call? So let's say someone in Arkansas. So we yeah. always have, and we think it's super important to have even like a 10 to 15 minute phone consultation with everyone, um, you know, to get that understanding of what they're looking for, to build that like personal connection. And we start a profile on the call. And then after that, we get to work curating the selection for them. Um, right now, we send them photos, videos, detailed descriptions, and pricing of each of the selections via email. And then um, we go back and forth. We ask for their opinions. Do we need to refine further? Do we need to continue to get more options? What direction we should go into? And we'll keep doing that until we find the perfect diamond for them. And once we do, it's just a one-third deposit of the diamond, and then we create the ring, which takes usually like three to four weeks to make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's quicker than I would think. Yeah. Okay, well that's production though. Yeah, that's like actual production. So it kind of varies depending, like if it's a more intricate design, it can take five, six weeks, but most of the time it's like a month long process. What's the percentage of people who know exactly what they want versus people who have no clue? I would say it's changed a lot. So now I would say 90% of the people know exactly what they want. They've been like saving photos, like doing their research and like come in very well equipped and a lot of couples will actually do this process together um, whereas traditionally it was always like the guy you know making all the decisions and it's like a really big surprise and I think that shift has changed even in the past like year and a half really um, when I first started doing this like as the hobby or whatever when the clear cut was first starting it was a lot of people being like I have no idea you tell me what I should get and now it's like very clear visions most of the time. I mean, that makes your job easier. So much probably. easier and so much more efficient. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you know that you're getting exactly what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Happy customers. For sure. Yes. Um, so what are some of the top questions that people ask you? Um, on DMs or in general? In general. So we do a Wednesday Q&A every week and um, it's on Instagram. So we just throw up that sticker and we have, we open it up to anyone can ask any question. Oh, cool. And then when we get, we actually save all of those and they're in a searchable format on our website. Hmm. Um, but for the questions that we keep getting a lot of um, like week by week, we make longer form IGTV videos on. So it's usually like how do I get like the best value in this kind of diamond? Like what are the qualities I should be looking for? The one we just put up yesterday was like lab grown versus natural, um, things like that. And most of the DMs I get are like, how much, how big, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> People I think just want to get a good understanding of like, what can I get for like my budget? Like what is like the best places for me to like prioritize where can I compromise like get that kind of expertise and advice yeah and in terms of like how much how big I mean I think sometimes people put so much um emphasis, emphasis on, on the engagement ring and it's like well if you're going to be spending your lives together yeah there'll and, be time to and, get something and there's so else. much more nuance in that like we get a lot of questions like how much is a two carat diamond it's like how much is a two-bedroom apartment you know where's the location like is it renovated? Like, you know, you, there's so much more that goes into just like that blanket statement. I like can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> so is that like, you mean like cut, 
clarity, color. I don't know the other ones. Yeah, so there's four C's. There's carrot, yeah. cut, um, color, and clarity. Yes. Yeah, those okay. are the main ones. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so, um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the fact that you your business is almost all direct sales, right? Yes. You don't do any wholesale to anyone else or anything no, like that. No, we're direct consumer. Okay, direct consumer. So does that kind of business model require investment money? I know you did the accelerator, but um, is that all the capital that you started with? We raised a small like friends and family around right after Techstars, okay. um, but that's all we've done so far. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And that allowed us to, we actually haven't used a lot of it, but it's allowed us to take a little bit more risk and feel a little bit more like confident um, because I feel like if we didn't have that bit of cushion, uh, we wouldn't have like done some tests and like things that were really beneficial to our business. I mean, it doesn't seem like you, I could be so wrong, but it doesn't seem like you would have that much overhead. We don't. Yeah. So that's, as of now, like as we grow, like we're definitely taking on more and more, especially as the team grows. Right. But um, no, it's, a, it's pretty capital efficient. Everything's made to order. We don't hold any inventory. So that's like really great for our business model. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I bet investors love that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so I also wanted to ask you, I know you just said that you um, posted a question and answer about um, lab-grown versus mine. And I've, actually my best friend has a lab-grown ruby um, mm-hmm. as her engagement ring. And uh, I wanted to know what your take is on that and how it could potentially change the industry even more. So I would say... Um, there's been synthetic gemstones like rubies, emeralds, sapphires since like the 1920s, oh, right? Okay. So they haven't taken away market share for natural precious stones. Um, it's just kind of a, a different category. And I think that's kind of what the lab grown diamonds have become or will become. So as I don't think they're a replacement for like the natural um, mine diamond, but it's going to create like a different category. So as technology gets better and better, prices will get significantly less and less. Um, And I think it will be disruptive in probably that smaller fine jewelry space, like those mall jewelers, like providing instead of even maybe some CZs, now you can have lab-grown diamonds in it. But I think for the real investment pieces, like the engagement ring, things with like a lot of sentimental value that you're actually, you're putting a decent chunk of money into, you want that investment to hold over time. Right now, you can purchase a lab-grown diamond for maybe like 20% less than a natural diamond, but then there's no inherent value in it afterwards. Whereas a natural diamond, you can resell, pass down, for generations. Really? So, yeah. okay. I didn't realize that there so was such can, a big difference So you there. can spend $5,000, but then have no inherent value, or spend fifteen dollars now, and then it holds its value. So is that because it deteriorates naturally, or is it just because, hey, it's not the it's real n- deal? Like, yeah. I hate to say it like that. I'm just curious. Yeah, because it's a, it's a man-made, mass-produced product, and... Now it's so new, the technology, that we don't know how it is going to last throughout the years. And even in, there's two ways of making lab-grown diamonds. In one of the production processes, people are noticing that it's actually changing color over time. Um, So it's just not 
it's just a totally different type of thing just like how synthetic uh gemstones are totally different than natural gemstones i'd be interested to see what you know technological advances happen in the next like 10 20 30 years because there could be a completely different story yeah yeah interesting Mm -hmm. um okay so a lot about engagement rings let's move on just a couple of questions i want to ask you about your fine jewelry yeah because i love the story of how it all started can you tell us about that so our fine jewelry line. I'm not wearing the ring right now, but it's very similar to this one. Um, I had You're so blinged up. I love, <laughs> I love it. I had extra diamonds um, from sizing my tennis bracelet down because I have really small wrists, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I made um, this kind of cluster open ring for myself, and I would post it with a lot of the engagement rings. And a lot of people were reaching out being like, can you just replicate that ring for me? So I kept making that ring over and over again. And at one point I was like, I just need to put this like online somewhere and just have people be able to buy it. And now it's like our best selling ring. It's called our Olivia ring. And we've built the collection just based on demand of what we've had from our existing customers or like what followers have told us they wanted. So we design each like drop with our community. So we're never doing anything that we don't think like they're, everyone's gonna love and definitely wanna buy. So that's how um, our collection has been dictated. So it launched last January, end of January around this time and it's been like the fastest growing part of our business. Wow, mm-hmm. that's so amazing. I mean, what that's so cool how you guys have utilized these social media tools. Yeah. Hey guys, what what do you think? What do you want? And like this necklace I'm wearing now, this east-west emerald cut, I designed this as a birthday gift for one of my friends. Um, her husband was buying it for her and I loved it so much. I was like, I'm just going to put it in our collection. And we've done that for a few people and actually like named the pieces after them. Um, so this is like our Irene Toi et Moi. This um, was a larger scale engagement ring we made for someone and I shrunk it down. And so as an homage to her, it's named after her. I mean, this this is cool because you're really starting your own family business. Yeah, you know? kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, all right, cool. So, last question mm-hmm. for someone who is either thinking about buying maybe their first special piece of jewelry for themselves mm-hmm. or an engagement ring. Where do you recommend they start? So the clear cut. <laughs> the clear cut. I would say that you, you should do research and we actually do a lot of educational content. So we um, have our clear cut classrooms that we have like corresponding blog posts to. So if you go to our website and go to learn and classroom, we have like tons of information if you're looking for the engagement ring part. Um, we also, like I said, we have the Wednesday Q and A's that we've compiled and saved in a searchable format. So over the past two years, I've been asked hundreds, thousands of questions. Yeah. So if anything pops up in your head, it's probably, we probably answered it and you can search it. And we have a little video that pops up. So that's a really great place to go. GIA's website is also very informative. And I said like they're the industry leader. So if you want to gut check or fact check anything, that's a great place to go. Um, to learn more about diamonds. Excellent. It's like the community clear cut. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. Thank this you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I'm so glad. <laughs> We're trying to make it easy for people. Um, and our first New Yorker, here we go. Yeah. On LA. <laughs> I hope you're inspired by Olivia's story. 
you can visit theclearcut.co for tons of educational videos, couple stories, their own podcast, which I will soon be a guest on, their everyday jewelry line, and of course, their contact information. Also, make sure to visit The Clear Cut on Instagram for lots and lots of diamonds. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to LA Woman. Please do us a solid and subscribe and rate on iTunes. Plus, we're also now on Spotify and Google Play. We're also at LAWomanPodcast.com and at LAWomanPodcast on Instagram. Let's keep inspiring each other as LA women and as women everywhere. One more thing. This podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Julie Roth. Our music was composed by Jazar. See ya!